It's the difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell. Welcome to it. We sit right now at the intersection of politics and economics, handling the economics. Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. And now I think more than ever before, we have a clearer picture, as if we really didn't, of what the election is going to look like. Trump is, if he hasn't been before, the presumptive nominee following the South Carolina primary. You might remember it was four years ago after Biden won the South Carolina primary that pretty much every other Democrat was told to drop out. Pete Buttigieg even got Secretary of Transportation out of the deal. It does not appear, at least as of our recording of this podcast, that Nikki Haley is going to drop out anytime soon. But Americans for Prosperity, the Coke Industries Network, which had been a big backer of Nikki Haley, announced, or rather an email went out to staff that the New York Times reported on saying, yeah, we're probably going to focus on House and Senate races. This doesn't totally end her campaign, but it is a signal to other big donors that, okay, Nikki, time to start focusing on the general election. Now, you, Dave, still believe, and this weekend really didn't give us any other uh, uh, evidence to the contrary, that Biden is going to be replaced at the top of the ticket. He struggled mightily trying to recite a quote from Abraham Lincoln and seemed to be confused after his governor's bowl speech on Saturday night ended. You don't think Biden is going to be the nominee. Gavin Newsom was on one of the Sunday talk shows and said, well, the speculation about me is just a sideshow and Biden is just fine. Look, Jim Clyburn, South Carolina uh, representative who famously endorsed Biden ahead of the 2020 South Carolina primary, said, look, he's just got a stutter. Besides, FDR was in a wheelchair and he was one of our greatest presidents. Uh, it does appear, to me at least, it is going to be Trump-Biden. So we do have some clarity, if we didn't already. It's now about as certain as certain gets, barring something uh, unforeseen happening at the Democratic National Convention in August. Now, the attention turns, I think, fully to the general election. You really got to look at the general election and, and look at the polling. And right now, if you look at the major states, the six states that are going to make a difference, Biden is losing in five of those six swing states. And, you know, there was just 77,000 votes in those three states that were super close that made the difference. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say if it looks like they're going to lose, what are they going to do about it? And I say they, the Democrats. Now, it's a 50-50 country. We know that. We're seeing a lot of polls, Dan, that show that it's going to be tight, and it's going to be tight for sure in this country for the next election. And, of course, how the Electoral College is going to be part of it. Is there a third party? You know, if there is, what does Kennedy do if he's the guy? How much does he siphon out? Do the young voters go away from Biden and maybe to a Jill Stein that's what I'm talking about. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns that we're going to see before November. It's going to be a long runway. And, of course, when you look at that, one of the things that I want to bring back is the economic part of the conversation. And, and right now we're starting to see a second wave of inflation, and that's going to freak out, of course, not only the Federal Reserve, but, of course, the incumbents, because that won't be good, because the Federal Reserve now is going to take this data that we got this week and likely not going to drop rates in March as what was widely expected, kick that can down to June, 
and then maybe start to lower rates as we start to head into the summer. What is the likelihood, though, if inflation is a lot stickier than we thought, and I'm of the opinion that it might be, that we don't see rate cuts in June either? That's not a likely scenario. In fact, there's, if you look at the betting odds and, of course, what the Federal Reserve is saying, that is a very small chance. I mean, probably less than 25% or less. But if they don't do that, that's certainly going to show that inflation is kicking up. And one of the things that they have to do, you know, we talk about the sticky parts of inflation. There was a downturn in manufacturing. There was a downturn in housing. Those things are starting to turn around slightly. So we're starting to see a kick up in those things. And those are sticky parts, as you point out. The other thing that's going to happen is we are continuing to run large U.S. budget deficit while we are at full employment. And that is shocking. This is exactly when I when I complained about their Federal Reserve a couple of years ago when they were buying mortgage-backed securities when, when you saw a housing market that was going through the rough. So they're going to continue to have big fiscal stimulus, Dan, when they don't need to, when you have full right. employment. And so you're starting to see more money going out. I mean, there's whatever the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but it's something like $4.5 trillion, and they're spending seven. I mean, they're spending so much more than they have right now. That's why the governors are always part of the conversation, because most states, you know, Sands, California, most states balance their budget. Right now, the United States government is not doing that. And so that's more stimulus into the economy. How are you going to unwind that? Unemployment, a recession. That's really the only way to take the air out of the balloon. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, because you don't want to see higher unemployment, people lose their jobs. But we're not going to see that, it seems, for another year or so. So absent that, are we just going to have to deal with high inflation until then? And, And remember, just because inflation goes down, prices don't. I'll tell you, Dave, I went out a couple of nights to restaurants. Last night, I went out with my wife. We went to an Indian restaurant. Nice little Indian restaurant, family owned, wonderful, wonderful family. And we got two dinners, and then we got two to-go orders for our kids who wanted to stay home. They were tired after soccer games and cheerleading practice and whatnot. It was no alcoholic drinks. I think I got a mango lassie, which, by the way, is fantastic. It was $97. I was going to guess 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, $97. It, you, we used to, when the five of us would go out, I've got three children, five of us would go out, and this is two, three years ago, not even, it would be 80-some dollars for us to go out. Just as a rule, probably figure 80-some dollars. Obviously, alcohol, if you're if you're having a drink or something, that's sort of the variable cost. But it is, it is remarkable. And not only that, Dan, you can't get into some of these restaurants. We went out, Kim and I went out yeah. on Saturday night. And, you know, if you didn't have a reservations, good luck. Hour and a half waits in, in lots of places. So there are people out spending, and they're spending because full employment. So this is one of the things. This is part of entertainment is to go to these restaurants and pay the higher prices. And that's what consumers are going out and doing. And until you see the excess slack and the opening start to come out, this is not going to happen. Unless, of course, we grow into that, instead of too much money chasing too few of goods, maybe we grow into that. Maybe we grow into that because of AI to become more efficient. And that AI perhaps puts some slack in the economy. Maybe that's why we're seeing companies like NVIDIA and Super Microcomputers and now Taiwan Semiconductors. That's why we're seeing a lot of this AI come to work, because maybe that's the savior. 
I wanted to talk a little bit about AI, the one that is in the news. Have you been following the saga of Google Gemini? Mm, missing it. No. No, you haven't. Okay. Google Gemini is, of course, Google's AI, and they just unveiled it, or a revamped version. I believe at, at one point its working title was Bard after Shakespeare. It's the, yeah. the Google version of ChatGPT. Oh, yeah, or, the, old, the old Bard. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's now called Google Gemini. And over the past week, users started noticing its image generation was not generating historically accurate images. So if you would say, generate an image of the founding fathers, there would be a black guy, there would be an Asian woman. I tried to do it with uh, kings of England, right? I said, Google Gemini, generate an image of a king of England. It was one, you know, guy who looked like he could have been King Richard the Lionheart, two black kings, and one woman who would, by definition, not be a king, but rather a queen. The left-wing woke bias of Google was so great and so noticeable that Google actually said, we're going to pause our image generation so that we can work out the bugs in this. People have also noticed that Google will not allow its AI to say something nice about Republican politicians. My wife just pointed out, uh, if you said, show me an image of a family sitting down to a nice Thanksgiving dinner, do you realize that Google AI would not show that because eating meat is so harmful for the environment. Like, Google Gemini is apparently every queer studies professor at Wesleyan College. <laughs> so, like, it is just, it's it's wild. And what what it is, the broader economic uh, and, and socio-political impact of this is big. It's not just, oh, hey, we've got a woke AI, but... It, it sort of shows that AI is is limited by whatever the programming language is, whatever the programming it is and it is not allowed to learn, it is and it is not allowed to give as answers. And this really has wide-reaching impacts, Dave, on the state of essentially knowledge, right? Yep. So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a for instance. Right. this is it's going to sound like a silly little example. Did you watch the Super Bowl halftime show? Yes. Yes. The the halftime show was Usher, yes. but they also brought on Alicia Keys mm -hmm. about three, four minutes into the show. Yep. Alicia Keys, and I commented to the party I was at that it was really cool. You could tell she was singing live because she flubbed the first note she sang. It was just a sour note. It happened. She's a wonderful singer. A little embarrassing, whatever. In the official YouTube Pepsi or Apple Music halftime show. It was the NFL YouTube channel, the official Apple. Uh, they covered up her bad note. They mm -hmm. digitally altered so she hit the note. So now this sounds stupid, right? Yeah. But let's say 10 years from now, you and I are doing this podcast. You say, hey, do you remember when Alicia Keys hit that sour note? And I say, no, she didn't hit a sour note. I just watched that video of that, that halftime show 10 years ago. Reality has been altered in mm -hmm. just that tiny little way. Alicia Keys hitting a sour note, 
But think about the possibility. Think about the potential that AI has to do that to actually, as AI takes over search engines and Wikipedia and all of this, has the potential to literally fundamentally alter our understanding of reality. I mean, that's a pretty awesome power that we're imbuing in this technology. It is a historical perspective, too. I mean, that wasn't just, are they imparting that, but what is the historical perspective? Not only what really happened, but what people are going to go back and yeah. look. Let me just bring it back full circle here. And, you know, we look at a lot of the AI stocks and companies you know, trying to use some of this information to try to become more efficient. That is really has been part of the driving of the Magnificent Seven. And right now, Dan, there is more dollars on the sideline than we have seen since the great financial crisis. So a lot of this cash is sitting on the sideline. Where is it going to go? Is it going to just sit in CDs? Is it going to buy some treasuries? Or are they going to put it back into the market? And I just want to bring this all together because it was a great conversation today. But your investment strategy has got to match your goals. And the only way to get that done is a one-on-one review. Sit down with somebody, preferably somebody from Annex Wealth Management, who will be (laughs) a fee-only fiduciary. And make sure as you go into 2024 that you understand that there's going to be a lot of moving parts and that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns between now and the election. The Federal Reserve is going to make a lot of moves, and that's why you have to know what you own, why it's in your portfolio. Get a personalized financial plan and a personalized portfolio. Really is important, especially in periods of uncertainty. And you will find no more uncertainty than you will in a presidential election, even if now, earlier than perhaps ever before, we know who the candidates are going to be. We are in the middle of a long, long general election slog between indictments, between questionable mental capacities of candidates, age, all of it. Let's face it, this is probably the most uncertain presidential election any of us have ever lived through. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Dave Spano is the president and CEO of Annex. I'm Dan O'Donnell. This has been The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be considered as tax, legal, or investment advice, or recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.